0: If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxodeo Ferhat Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Have you ever used this phrase in your life where you go, if I didn't see it with my own eyes, I would never have believed it, Right? Ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to explain something to someone, something that happened maybe to you or something that you witnessed that was so incredible that everyone needs to know the story, but you know the fact that they didn't see it for themselves just makes it feel all the more unbelievable. I have a story like that. It's a very simple story because people know I love kind of exaggerating a little bit, okay? I enjoy exaggerating my stories just a little, little bit. And the one morning I was driving out of Langenhoven Park, you know, that stuck-in-the-mud Falky, you cross that 90-degree turn on your way to the varsity, but it's like 5 a.m. in the morning, okay? I have a get-together with some friends. We're going to get together for some coffee, early morning breakfast, It's winter, so it's pitch black dark. And you won't believe it, but all of a sudden, there's a book in the middle of the road, but not like a little, I don't know, spring bookie, a book, okay, with like antlers and everything in the middle of the road. And I slammed dead on the brakes, nearly killing myself and this poor animal. And the very first thing, that goes through my head is I go, no one will ever believe me (laughs) because they didn't see it. But somewhere, I bet you in stuck in the mud, there's like a book walking around, okay? A massive one, not like a little spring bookie, but a big one. I promise you, I saw it with my own eyes. (laughs) But sometimes we experience things that are unbelievable and we go, I can't believe my eyes. And if I had to explain this to someone else, they probably also wouldn't believe it. So then we go, my friend, you need to see this for yourself. What do we do when we discover an amazing new restaurant in Bloom? Everyone goes there, right? But if there's a new restaurant in Bloom and they have the best food, what do we do? We tell people. We go, listen, I've discovered the new best restaurant in Bloom, but don't take my word for it. Just go there. Go and see for yourself. Go and experience it for yourself. I brought some historical photos with me tonight. In a moment, we're going to go through them. But these are some photos of actual historical events that I'm betting unless someone captured these on camera, if someone were to try and explain or convince to us today that this actually happened, we would probably not believe them. So we're gonna go through a trip down memory lane, but the very first one we can go to the first photo. This might look a little bit familiar in case you didn't know. You thought wearing masks was something new, okay? It was not. This was actually taken in the year 1918 when there was a similar outbreak to COVID. Here you thought COVID was a new thing. It's not, the Chinese have been planning it since the 1900s, okay? It's not a new thing, just kidding. I don't believe the Chinese invented coke. Maybe, I don't know, but probably not. I don't know, probably not, but let's not go down that rabbit hole. This is a policeman, and we've had experiences like this. Someone in public coming up to you going, your <laughs> wear your mask. 1918 people already wearing masks. Let's go to on to the next one. This was a funny one for me. This lady's name is Margaret Hamilton. And that tower of documentation next to her, that is the, get this, handwritten software that put people on the Apollo spaceship and sent them to the moon. Handwritten, my friends unbelievable, right? If someone did not capture this, I'm betting we wouldn't believe it today. We would go, not a chance. No ways. Let's go on to the next one. Imagine this was your job. In the 1920s, this is how they tested bulletproof vests. They shot at you while wearing one. (laughs) Imagine that was your job, I'm hoping that this poor chap got danger pay at least because what if the bulletproof bulletproof vest didn't work? But I'm willing to say if someone didn't capture this on camera, I'm hoping that he didn't like fall down dead right after that second because that would have been unfortunate. But I'm willing to bet that unless someone captured this on camera and they told us, no, in the 1920s, they tested bulletproof vests by shooting at people. I wouldn't have believed it. I would have gone, no, whatever, man, <laughs> whatever. Can't believe it. Next one. Let's go on to the next one. This is my favorite one. This is what you call a drunk basket. And what they did, this was like in the 1920s. And ni- 1920s were a fun time, people. Like there's a reason they call it the roaring 20s. People were shooting each other. They were carrying drunk people around in baskets. It looked like a hell's partake. But you thought Uber was a new invention. This is what bars and pubs did in the 1920s and 30s when their customers had one too many and they couldn't find their home by themselves, okay? They would hire a drunk basket carrier put you into the basket, and that poor soul had to carry you home. What? If I were to tell you that in the 1920s, drunk basket carriers was an actual profession, would you have believed me? Probably not. But someone, luckily, went through the effort to capture that moment. That guy looks Dungus that he has to go home, which makes sense because he's probably drunk and looks like he was already in a fight because he has like a busted nose. The last one, and this one, I... Oh, no, that's not the last one. Here. This, again, 1920s and 30s, great time to be alive. You won't believe it unless someone took a picture of it. This is what airplanes looked like in the beginning. Who would buy a ticket and strap yourself into that little basket of a thing and go flying through the air? Probably not, right? I'm wondering if those seats are actually even fastened to the floor or do they just like move them around inside the plane? Going like, today I want to sit over here and then on my next flight I'm going to sit over there. If someone didn't capture this, I wouldn't have believed it. And then the last one, my absolute favorite. This woman is someone by the name of Keisha Thomas. Let me tell you about Keisha Thomas. Keisha Thomas, in this picture, as you can see, she's a young African-American female. She is protecting, by lying on top of him, an actual member of the Ku Klux Klan that was at a racist rally. (laughs) And she's protecting him from a mob of angry protesters. Can you believe it? They had an interview with her afterwards asking, what the hell? (laughs) He is a member of the Ku Klux Klan, serious like political issues. Why would you defend someone like this? And she simply responded, she believes in kindness and that everyone deserves a second chance. So why withhold a second chance from that guy? Would you have believed that? (laughs) Unless someone captured that on camera? You see, there are some moments in life, there are certain things in life that we simply can't explain, right? We can try and put them on camera, we can try and explain them in theory, but there are certain things in life that they have to be experienced first hand, otherwise they remain meaningless. That makes sense, right? I'm a new parent. We have a little baby boy that's four months old. So obviously in four months, I know everything about parenting by now. (laughs) Right? And here's the thing. I can really try and explain to you what parenting is like, what I've experienced thus far. I can try my best to put into theory and even put into pictures or film even what it's like being a parent. But until you, my friend, cross that threshold of actually becoming a parent for yourself, a lot of what I'm saying will kind of just go, it won't really matter to you. And our one thing for tonight is this, I won't keep you in suspense at all. Our one thing for tonight is this, the invitation of Jesus, man, I love Jesus, but the invitation of Jesus to me and to you is simply this, my friend, come as you are and come and see for yourself. What does the invitation come as you are mean? It simply means this, stop trying to fix yourself before coming to Jesus, Because trying to fix yourself or trying to get your act together before coming to Jesus is like saying, man, I am really dirty and in need of a shower. But before I get into the shower, I'm going to take a bath to clean myself. And then when I'm nice and clean and spotless, then I'm going to go get into the shower and clean myself. What? That's the invitation. Come as you are. And come and see. Come and experience firsthand. Come and see for yourself. That's the invitation. That's our one thing for tonight. Jesus was a fan of the come and see invitation. I want to invite you to open up your Bible to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. That's your fourth book in the New Testament. I really want to encourage you as you turn to John chapter 1, but on a Sunday, make sure you bring your Bible with you to church. Open up the Word with us, whether it's the book, good old paperback, or whether it's your cell phone with the YouVersion Bible app. But make sure on a Sunday you come with your Bible. You are ready to open up the Word with us. And then a second encouragement, but bring a notebook and a pen. Write down what you're experiencing God say to you throughout the service. Let's read together in John chapter one from verse 35. It reads, the next day, John was there again. So this might be confusing because you need to pay attention. It's John the apostle writing the book of John, but he's writing about John the Baptist in this specific chapter. So John the apostle busy writing, but John the Baptist that he's writing about. It's like fricky in Afrikaans, you know, how many frickies do you know? It's like 10 or 20, you know, or Johan or I don't know, whatever. If you're a Yuan, I'm sorry. But he writes in verse 35, the next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. He knows who Jesus is. He knows his friend Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And he says to his disciples, that's him. That's the Lamb of God, the Messiah. And when the two disciples heard him say this, They followed Jesus. It's interesting that John doesn't write, when the disciples heard this, they believed in Jesus. No, he writes, when the disciples heard this, they what? They started following Jesus. They showed interest. They showed curiosity. They were willing to take a step closer to this man from Nazareth, to do some investigating, to see, is this really the Lamb of God that John, my buddy, was just saying? Why is that significant? Because I want to say, friend, if you are someone tonight and you doubt, you're unsure, you don't really know if this Jesus is really who he says he is, can I say you're in good company Because that's how every single disciple starts out, by being curious, by starting to investigate this Jesus person. Let's go on to say, uh, to read in verse 38. It says, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Don't you just love Jesus? He's like, (laughs) what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So it's interesting, again, they don't come out with their true intention. They don't come out and say, well, Jesus, that guy John just said you're the Lamb of God. So we're just kind of wondering, is that true? Yes or no? No. What do they do? They simply go, Jesus, where are you staying? Can we spend some time with you? Can we come a little bit closer? Can we... Just be around you because we want to investigate whether or not this claim that you are indeed the Lamb of God is true. It's as if they're realizing in this moment a simple yes or no from Jesus won't do. He could go, yes, I am the Lamb of God. But that won't be enough. So instead they ask, where are you staying? Can we come and stay with you? Can we come a little bit closer Can we come and investigate? Jesus replies in verse 39, come and you will see. That's the invitation. Come, come a little bit closer and you'll see for yourself. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. I hate it that John doesn't write what they did that day. He just says they spent the day with Jesus. Wouldn't you want to know? Like, did they go fishing? Did they bry? Did they, like, take a nap? Did they talk big, meaningful things? I just find that interesting. They spent the day with, it was about four in the afternoon. Let's go on. It says in verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And get this, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon. And tell him, we have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. The very first thing that he does upon his own discovery that this man is, in fact, the Son of God, the Lamb who we have been waiting for to come and liberate us and establish God's kingdom and his rule, the very first thing he does. He he goes to find someone else. He goes to find his brother. And he says, but brother, friend, I found him. I saw for myself. I experienced it myself. You won't believe this, but I saw it. I experienced it. I met him myself. I was this close to him. And he goes and finds another and he says, I found him. Jesus looked at him. This is now Simon. And he says, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Peter. Can we for a moment just recognize that he's speaking about the Peter, the Peter we know that actually wrote some of the books in the Bible. You know, the guy that was one of the apostles, one of the great followers of Jesus. The like kind of think now, do now, think later kind of disciple. I love Peter because he's my spirit animal. I'm convinced about that. But this is the Peter that we write about. Can you see that without Andrew, there would be no Peter? Without Andrew, who we don't know much about, you know, we don't read a lot about Andrew. We simply know he was one of the followers of Jesus. But can you see that without the Andrew in the story, there would be no Peter who we know and recite and read and think about today still? My friend, if you think, You have an insignificant role to play in the kingdom of God. You're dead wrong. What if you're an Andrew and God actually wants to use you to go call the Peters out from where they are? Let's continue. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, what? follow me. There's the invitation again. There's the exact same invitation again. He doesn't say, let me tell you. He doesn't say, sit down, because I'm about to give you the truth. What does he do? He simply says, my friend, come a little closer. Follow me and you'll see for yourself. Come and see, that's the invitation. He invites another follower. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael. There's it again. The very first thing Philip does upon following Jesus, coming closer, seeing and experiencing for himself is what? He goes to find someone else and he says, I found him. The one we've been waiting for, I found him. I saw him myself. I experienced him myself. I met him personally. He's Jesus. It goes on to say, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. You see, this is very significant because Nathanael, we're going to read in a moment, but Nathanael was an Israelite. What do we know about them? He would have grown up with the law of Moses he would have had to know the law of Moses very intricately. He would have had to have been able to recite, you know, and know all of it right down to the letter. So when someone comes up to Nathaniel and says, I found the one who Moses wrote about, he knows exactly what he means. He knows exactly why, because he grew up his whole life with the law of Moses that prophesied, that wrote, that said, one day the Lamb will come, one day the Messiah will come, the one who will bring God's kingdom down to earth. And he says, That one who the prophets wrote about, I found him. I've seen him. I've experienced him. That's what he says to Nathaniel and Philip. Nathaniel responds, he says the following, and well, Philip says to him, it's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then Nathaniel replies, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? This is that moment where he goes, where Philip goes, Nathaniel, you won't believe what I saw, what I've experienced. It's in Nazareth and his name is Jesus. You need to come and see this for yourself. And Nathaniel goes, wait, I don't know about this. Nazareth, what good can come from Nazareth? I won't say the names of certain places because I'm scared that I'll offend someone. But my husband is from Valcom. Okay, so anyone from Valkom? Valkom is a great place. Look, I married one of you and I love you. So don't stress. <laughs> but I won't say any other places. I won't. Sis, <laughs> Franku. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip replies, what? Again. Philip replies, Come and see. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe how good that new restaurant is, go for yourself. Go and eat the food yourself. If you don't believe that incredible thing I've experienced that I'm trying to explain to you, go and see for yourself. He replies, Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and experience for yourself. What does come and see mean? A few quick things. Come and see means come and investigate. This is good news for us, friends, because this, mean, this means you don't have to abandon your reason and logic at the door in order to become a Christian. You can actually bring your doubts You can bring all your apprehensions. You can bring everything that makes it so hard for you to believe in Jesus because he doesn't care. He's ready. Come and see firstly means come and investigate. Come and do a proper looking and you'll see for yourself. Secondly, it means come and experience. You see, this is where we move from knowing about a person to knowing a person. I know a lot about Roger Federer, just saying, because I'm a big fan. He's retired recently and I can't believe it because now there's no one left to watch. Nadal's on his way out. He's so old that his feet are a problem and oh, whatever. <laughs> I know a lot about Roger Federer. I know he's half South African. Did you know that? His mother is a South African woman. He's a local, right? We should be supporting him. I know that he has a lot of kids, firstly, but he has a set of twins called Lenny and Leo, and one of his most substantial tennis injuries that kind of held him back through his career, he actually got a back injury from bathing his children. What a good dad, right? I know a lot about Roger Federer. I've watched him all my life on TV, okay? I was so bummed I couldn't actually see him in person when they played in Cape Town. I know a lot about him. Do I know him? No. (laughs) If I were to approach him and give him a hug and go all crazy, they would go, that lady's crazy. We need to get the security people to keep her away from Roger Federer, right? I don't know him, but I know a lot about him. It's easy to know a lot about Jesus. (laughs) You can read. You can watch YouTube videos. You can listen to famous pastors, okay? But come and see implies you need to come and experience first and for yourself. And then lastly, come and see means come and belong. You'll see throughout this story, this narrative in John, what happens each and every time when one of the disciples actually came and saw and experienced and met Jesus. What happened? They found someone else. My friend, Faith in Jesus is not a solo endeavor. It's a group endeavor. Come and see means come and belong to the family. Come and belong to other brothers and sisters that with you are seeing and experiencing. The best way for me to illustrate this is with this heater. Thanks, Patrick. You can... Let's give Patrick a hand. Thank you so much, Patrick. Just want to say, if you want anything done in life ever, just call Patrick, okay? He basically fixes our whole building. He's amazing. We love Patrick. He's an incredible friend and brother to have in church. And this heater is not here just for no reason at all. I'm going to keep on babbling. Ah, there we go. You can make it nice and big, Patrick, like flames can be shooting out the top. Is that? Okay, that's fine. Don't stress. Little fire. The best way for me to illustrate this is with a fire. Imagine with me for a moment, it's July in Bloemfontein. Nee? You students that are away in bloom, lack like, of away from Bloem during winter time, count your blessings. <laughs> Because winter time in Blumfontein is reserved for the very brave and the bold. Okay, you don't simply go through winter in bloom, Okay, it is something that creeps into your soul and your bones. I hate winter, but anyway, imagine with me for a moment. It's winter, winter time in Blum, and I'm outside, and it is freezing. A few feet away from me, there's a fire, like there is, right? It's actually hilarious because on that thing, it says for outdoor use only, but whatever, okay? It's wintertime in Bloom. I'm outside. I'm freezing cold. And a few feet away from me, there's a fire. I have two options in this scenario. I can look at the fire from a distance I can study the fire and be like, okay, that fire is about what? Let's say 60 centimeters tall. It's in a cylinder. It's encased in like a glass thingy, which looks pretty cool. I think there's a sign that says it's for outdoor use only. So sorry about that. I can study this fire from a distance. I can even go on my little iPad and I can read up all about fire. I can read about how fire interacts with oxygen, I can read how fire needs oxygen to spread and to survive. I can even sit here and imagine how nice would it be to sit around that fire in July, in bloom, and feel the warmth and not be cold. That's option number one, right? Option number two is I can get up, And this is revolutionary, I know. I can get up and I can go towards the fire. I can come close. I can actually, I can almost touch it. This one is actually lacquer because it heats up these little bars so that they become nice and warm. I can come close to the fire and what? Feel the fire. I can experience the fire. I can actually come close to the fire. It is no longer a theory. The warmth coming from this thing is no longer theoretical to me. It is very real. I'm sweating. Why? Cuz I'm close. My friend, did you know that for as long as Jesus is at a distance from you, it won't change a thing. If you are spectating Jesus from a distance, if you are spectating church from a distance, if you are keeping God at an arm's length for whatever reason, maybe you have doubts, maybe you're afraid, maybe you can't believe in a good and loving God because look at your life, maybe you've experienced terrible things. But for as long as there's distance, I won't won't experience it. The invitation from Jesus is what? Come as I am. Don't fix myself. Don't try and get my act straight. Don't try and bathe myself and then go shower in order to be clean. No, the invitation is come as you are. Bring your doubts. Bring your fear. Bring your apprehension. Bring everything that you feel keeps you at a distance. Come and see. Come and experience firsthand who Jesus is. That's the invitation. Don't fix yourself. Don't better yourself. Come and feel. Come and experience. Come and see. I'm going to ask Yaku just to uh, come onto the stage for us. I'm going to just read us a quote and then I'm going to pray for us because then we're done. But this whole invitation of come and see, come closer, come and experience, it has one very clear kind of consequence to it. The invitation of come and see begs decision. What what do I mean by that? Let me just read you. A quote. This is C.S. Lewis. He writes this in Mere Christianity. It won't be on the screen. You can just listen. It says A man who was merely a man and said the things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher only. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God or a madman, or something much worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being simply human. He has not left that open for us. He did not intend to. That's just a very fancy way of saying The invitation of come and see, come and experience, it begs decision. I can't be the same after I've seen and experienced. I can't be the same Aiden. I can't go back to the same life. I can't go back to my old ways. Why? Because I've seen it for myself. The Jesus man who came, who fulfilled all the prophecies that we wrote about. I've seen him myself. He's changed me. I can't go back. The old me dead and gone. I'm following Jesus. And I'm going to go find others to do that with me can I invite us to stand I'm going to pray for us how do we respond to this it's real simple the response to the invitation of come as you are and come and see for yourself is a real simple one I take a step closer. I want to invite you if, if you've been spectating Jesus from a distance for whatever reason, whether it's doubt or fear or disappointment or whatever the case may be, if you've been spectating Jesus from a distance, but something in your heart is saying, I want to come a little bit closer. I want to come and investigate. I want to come and see. I want to come and experience this for myself. Can I invite you there where you are? Just take one little step forward, if that's you. In your row, that's fine. If you say, I want to come a little bit closer, I want to see, I want to come and investigate, I want to come and experience, just take one step forward. And then secondly, if you've maybe just been keeping the family of God, church community at the distance for whatever reason, because you're busy or disappointed, you had a bad experience in church or you don't trust leaders or for what, whatever your reason might be. But you're experiencing the invitation of come a little bit closer. Come and see Come and experience. If you want to take one little step closer to church family, won't you also, just there where you're standing, by yourself, just take one little step forward. Just go, I'll do that. I'll take one step forward. I'll bring myself, that's all I can bring. I'll bring this working progress. I'll bring my imperfections. I'll bring my fears, I'll bring my doubts. I'll bring the things that I'm keeping in secret. I'll bring everything, but I'll come. I'll come and see for myself who this Jesus man is that threw out the invitation. Let's pray together. If you're comfortable, you can just lift up your hands. Father, we thank you that the invitation is simple. The invitation is come, an experience come and see come and see for yourself and father i want to thank you that you are such a personal god you know us tonight friend just a quick little ad break and then i'm going to continue praying but can i say jesus he knows exactly who you are this story in john chapter one goes on to say nathaniel was praying under a tree Jesus sees him and Jesus says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And then Nathanael goes, how do you know me? And Jesus replies and he says, I saw you. Do you know tonight Jesus is aware of you? He's aware of everything about you. He knows exactly what's hindering you. He knows exactly what's scaring you. He knows exactly what is troubling you. He knows exactly what's keeping you up at night. He knows exactly what's making you excited. He knows exactly what is bringing you joy. He knows every single thing about you. John chapter 1 ends the story with Jesus saying, "Nathaniel, if you think that me simply saying, I saw you, is a big deal. You're going to see much greater things. Just you wait. My friend, just you wait. Life with Jesus, just you wait. Wait and see. Come and see what He has in store for you. Father, we thank You that that is our reality tonight. You are such a personal God. You know everything about us. And your invitation is simple. We can come and see for ourselves. Father, I want to pray firstly a prayer just of thanksgiving for every person in this auditorium tonight that has come and that has seen and that has experienced and that has now come to belong to your family. We praise you that we can live in the light with you, Jesus. But Father, I also thank you for each person right now in faith taking a step forward, right now in faith taking a step closer to who you are, and the discovery, Jesus, will be life and life in abundance. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. What a message! If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.